Well, our fellowship group met this past Monday night. We always meet around a table, we eat a meal. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out some questions around a sermon that, you know, Rob's, by the way, I hope you listened to last week's message. If you missed it, you need to stay in the passages as we go and they build upon each other through a book. Um, it's fun to hear my group talk about how, you know, every one of them said, well, I felt like Rob was talking to me and then someone says, no, no, he was talking to me. And then someone said, no, I was with a friend and they said he was talking to him. You know, well, he's talking to all of us, right? Um, usually when we're wrapping up, I'll pass out little index cards and I'll just say, I wanna, I want everybody to write down a prayer request. We just do this on a regular basis so that you're, you know, we, hand, we share them and I'm praying like this week, I'm, I'm, I'm pr- praying for uh, Eric uh, in our group with his particular prayer request so that we're praying for each other until we meet again, you know, and I'll get out new cards and we'll, we'll do that. Well, I said, let's, let's you know, write down a prayer request and I had been in this passage that we're in today. And so I, I wanted to go a little deeper you know, then the surface prayer request. And so I actually said it like this. You know what, y'all, look, look, look here, here's how I want you to do this. I want you to write a prayer request, but I want, it, I want you to do it this way. Um, I, I want you to write a request that's an answer to this question. How would you ask the apostle Paul to pray for you? So when we go there, it, it's like some, some of this stuff that we might normally say, well, I wanna pray for this. I wanna pray. It's like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I need to go a, a, layer, a layer deeper. I, I don't think I'm gonna ask him to pray for, can I say this, you know, things that don't matter. Not even, per, perhaps not even just circumstantial things. Um, and I'm gonna ask you this. So, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pose it to you, then we'll move through to our passage, but this, this is a good place to start. Um, if you were gonna ask the apostle Paul to pray for you, what would you ask him to pray? You know, it's interesting in all of Paul's prayers, y'all, because later in the book, he's gonna say, pray about everything. So please hear me. We do pray about everything. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing like you shouldn't pray about that. No, we pray about everything. <laughs> but it's interesting when Paul prays about everything, it's rare that he's praying about stuff that we often pray for. <laughs> Are you, are you tracking with me? My point's not so much to limit you know, what we would pray, but to ask the question in this way, is there, is there a priority to, to prayers? Is, um, do some things matter more that we need to be praying for? Now, when we pick up this text today in our study through this book of, of Philippians, Paul's gonna answer the question. He's gonna show us one of the things that matters most, and I, I will say this, in the days that we are living in, okay, where we live in our day in history and our culture and time, I cannot imagine a more needed prayer than the one we will learn this morning. If you're not already there in your booklet, okay, or in your Bible, please turn to Philippians chapter one. Uh, we're gonna be in verses nine through 11. I must tell you um, that as I studied this, it's only three verses, but I, y'all, I got off on so many rabbit trails. There is so much in these three verses. Um, because of that, to keep me from doing that, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do something I often don't have the luxury of doing since it's a shorter text, it's three verses, uh, I'm choosing to teach it this morning using 
a sentence diagram. Now, Rob does this, I'll do this sometimes, you know, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna diagram the, the sentence for you. And it's like, it'll be up on the screen and we'll, we'll just work through the passage in, a, in, in this way. And the reason is, it, it keeps me from going rabbit trail and it shows in a very compelling and clear way what's the most important thing, how do we understand this prayer, and here's the biggest thing, how and why do we pray it? So I, I hope we'll see it in that way. Uh, if you're in Philippians, and, and I'm gonna pull this up on the screen, uh, if we can have that on the screen, this is the, the sentence diagram, let's just leave that up there and I'll be making notes on it. But look in your Bibles at verse three and four. Here's where Rob was last week. Notice how Paul begins, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So, so here's what we know. Paul is praying for the Philippians. Okay, you go, well, that's no surprise. No, but here's what's wonderful is, is in this particular letter, we get to see what he prays, why he prays, Praise it. See, this, this is a gift, you know, to be able to unpack this. So look, look, look with me now at the screen, if you will. And I, I just want you to notice some things as we move, as we move through here. I, I, will, uh, I, I will put some, uh, I'll put some marks on here. And this first one would be this. Notice he begins in verse nine, and it is my prayer. So we know this whole passage is about prayer, that your love, and, and then he says it, it may abound more and more. And, and this is the thing I want you to see. This is the main clause. I, I want you to note everything, everything, everything else about this passage fits under the main clause. Are you with me? So, so it's almost like we can... Don't go down any rabbit trails and just go, if we're gonna get anything from this text, it's this. Paul's main point is I'm praying that your love will abound more and more. This is the big idea. Yes, we'll call the big idea of the text, okay? To abound is to overflow. This, 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 that's not a difficult one, is it? It's, you know, to, when something is abounding, you know, think of, of, of water that's overflowing, things are spilling out. Um, it, it, and then Paul's not one to waste words, is he? So, so, so why does he add more? You know, an editor would probably cut that out. Well, no, the Spirit said, leave it in. I want your love to abound. It's just overflowing. It's like a spring that water's just gurgling up. And then the Spirit says, more and more. How emphatic can he be? Our love's to be constantly growing. In fact, growing to the degree that it's overflowing. The word love here, I don't think this will surprise, uh, I don't think this will surprise many that the word love is the word agape. It's agape love. Um, agape love, it, it's not, Eros, which would be romantic love. He could have used that Greek word. It's not phileo, which would be friendship love. He could have used that Greek word. No, he chooses agape love. Um, if, if there, there's much we could say about it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put these two words about agape love. It is self-sacrificing, okay? It is a self-sacrificing love. It is un. Conditional, self-sacrificing love, it's unconditional. If I, if I got a little deeper, let's get a little more concrete on it, it, I would say this, agape love, number one, it's an act of the will. It's an act of your will, it's a, it's a choice, it's an act of your will, whereby one sacrifices their own agenda, an act of the will, sacrifice of agenda, 
for the good of another, act of the will. I'm gonna sacrifice my agenda for the good of another at great cost. Agape, love. Act of the will, sacrifice your own agenda for the good of another at great cost. Now, I wanna step back from the the text. I wanna step back and I wanna look at the, the bigger picture of the book because I wanna see these particular words and, and this particular prayer in light of you know, the, the book itself and it'll, it'll inform why he's praying in this way. A careful reading of the whole book, and by the way, I, I encourage you to do this. You know, it takes 12 minutes to read, it takes me 12. You know, it might take less or more for you, but it's, just, it's worth just keeping yourself in the book of Philippians. I'm telling you, each message will mean more because you'll just be getting the whole of the book. So when we look at careful reading of the book, Paul's language in chapters one and two, um, he, he, you'll note, we'll get there. He says, I want you to be of one mind, have the same love, be in full accord. He says, I want you to do all things without grumbling or disputing. They're not getting along. This may be the church of joy, but they have a problem of, of, of unity within the body. Get along. You know, this is throughout the, I mean, he pops the pimple, doesn't he, at the end in 4-1? He names names. Yodi, Sintiki, you know what I'm saying? In addition, his invitation in chapter one, verse 29, he says, embrace suffering. And so we can note this, that, that this church is, is having a hard go of it. Um, you know, their faith in Christ has not led to a panacea in life. Following Jesus is proving to be hard, difficult. Um, they are, in Rob's words last week, in the messy middle. And we never get out of the messy middle. But we invite Christ into the messy middle as we walk in it. You see, so, so they're in a, they're, they're They're having a tough time. And then I wanna add a layer on top of this. Again, look at the book in whole. Some of these Philippian Christians were confused about their citizenship, their allegiance, and their loyalty. You remember in the introduction two weeks ago, I said that Philippi is a Roman colony, a lot of retired military there. Very patriotic crowd. And he's super loyal to the emperor. And so there in chapter uh, three, he's gonna say, look, you're... Do you understand your citizenship is in heaven? And if your citizenship is in heaven, then your loyalty and your allegiance is to that kingdom, not to the one you're in. Divisiveness and strife have never been more pervasive in our world, at least in my lifetime. You know, some of you go, well, it was like this back in the day. I don't know, you know, um, and I'd say this, not just in the world at large, but y'all, within the evangelical church. Can I say this? Within Fellowship Bible Church. The messy middle of life. Um, it's always been here, y'all. It's always been here. But the, 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 the cultural climate of our day has kind of made it difficult for anyone to stand up and say, look, here's the answer. Like no one wants to, rap, you know what I mean? That's your answer, it's not mine. <laughs> You know, that's what you think, but you don't have all the information, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. I was in Costco yesterday um, in the self-checkout line and I just overheard some Costco employee go, man, I love your shirt. And, and the guy, I just, again, I'm just hearing this. The guy says, dude, I could sell a hundred of these a day. So of course I'm going, what does his shirt say? <laughs> you know, he could sell a hundred a day. 
And you, you may have one, I don't know, you know? Um, but it said in big block letters, defund the media, yeah. <laughs> you know, so some, I mean, I don't know, again, some of you may have got it underneath your shirt right now, maybe, I don't know. Um, and y'all, well, there's, and, and truly, I mean this, right? For some, that's the answer. I'm not being facetious. And for others, there's another answer for the problem of the day. What's the biblical answer? What's the, I'll say this, because I'm not gonna expect the world to follow this. But if you name the name of Christ and you say, I'm following Jesus with my whole heart, may I tell you, there's one answer. That your love may abound more and more. That's the answer. Well, I'm gonna call this the, let's see, I'm using all kinds of colors here. I'm gonna call this the priority of prayer, because that's certainly the answer. And I'm gonna call this also the preeminence of love. Y'all, that's the big idea of the passage. The priority of prayer, the preeminence of love. Now, lest we think this love is, you know, emotionalism, sentimentality, okay? Paul makes it very clear that he goes on to define just, I mean, what kind of love is to abound, Paul? And he, 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 he gets to what we're gonna note here is um, what, the purpose clause. So, so I've, no, I've just written it out, purpose clause, right? I've got purpose clause we got that written out, and then I'm gonna say, uh, so that, purpose of you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless. We have one, and then we have two purposes. Actually, I back, back that up. The kind of love is, is love with knowledge and discernment. Then I'll get to the purpose clause. So stop here. Pray that your love may abound more and more. Okay, what kind of love? Love that is, love that has knowledge and all discernment. I need to back up, I got ahead of myself. Everybody with me? So what kind of love? Knowledge and all discernment. Knowledge, epignosis. Greek word, it, 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 you know, just get this. Love has to be informed by the mind. I mean, it's gotta be informed by the truth. Um, epignosis means experiential love. Okay, help me say, well, it means it's not just a truth you know, it's a truth you know because you've experienced it. When Paul uses epignosis throughout his New Testament letters, it's always referring to God and Christ and our relationship with him. So what he's talking about here is an abounding love, okay, that comes from your experience of God's love. So it's got, it's got to be an experiential love wherein you, you, you're living in relationship with God such that you, you have experienced how much, for the songs we sing, how much God loves you. Knowledge, all discernment. You know what discernment means? It means it's insightful love. It, it, it's not just the, a love that is an experienced love in your own relationship with Christ, but it is that which you can then love others with, with discernment, insight, perception. 
Otherwise, love's like, love's like the world's love. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is the kind of love for us as Christ's followers we express. And you know this. Love at times means withholding. Think of parents, you know, parents when you have the little kids, you love your kids and you withhold a lot, don't you? Uh, love at times, you know, it, it may mean relinquishing. Love, love is letting, it's a, at the core, letting go of maybe something of yourself. You relinquish. Uh, love may at times, uh, love, at, love may at times mean you taking away something. How about that? That's not love, give it back. You know what I'm saying? But no, it may mean taking away. Can I say this? It may mean removing something from your own life or removing something from someone in your life that you love. Okay, now, okay, with that, that's the kind of love. Now the purpose clause, sorry, I went ahead of myself. The purpose is that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. One and two, two purposes. This word approve, it means put to the test. Um, while excellent literally means things that differ. Put to the test things that differ. What is that? Well, it, it would be this. The first purpose of abounding love shaped by knowledge and all discernment is that by it you're able to differentiate not simply what's good from evil, what's um, wrong from right. Here's the, the nuance. It's, it's that you're able to distinguish, as one scholar says, what's best from all that's good. This is the level, this is what this love does. It's, we live in such a way that we're, we're, able, to, we're able to make decisions and show others through those choices of love, not just, hey, that's bad, that's good, stay away from that. No, 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 it's much deeper. What's best amongst all that's, it's good, but you know what's not best? Second purpose, and so be pure and blameless. Pure is the Greek combination of, it's a Greek word, it's a combination of two Greek words, sunlight and judge. This is, you know, they had pottery, a lot of pottery then. Uh, if it broke or cracked, you know, if, it, if someone was selling it and they would repair it, they would repair it with kind of this mixture of wax and dust, pottery dust, right? So it's, it, the, the, the words mean sunlight and judgment. You go, what in the world is that? Well, it's just, you know, you take the pot, hold it up to the sunlight, and what do you see if it's got breaks in it? Well, you, it's been judged, by the sun. Oh my gosh, this has got cracks in it now that the sun's shining through. Blameless carries the idea of not causing another to stumble. So the second purpose of an abounding love shaped by knowledge and all discernment, I would say this, is that you live a life of integrity and wholeness. Say that no cracks, or at least I'll say it, I like saying it this way better. The cracks, because we all have them, aren't filled, okay? The cracks aren't filled with wax and pottery dust. The cracks are sealed with the blood of Christ. I'm telling you, that, that vase is better than when it was not even broken. So, so think of it that way, a life of integrity, such that, <coughs> such that, <coughs> excuse me, you don't cause others to stumble. Well, what, what do you, what, how would we cause others to stumble? Well, based on the contest, I would say it like this. Does your, does your love cause people to stumble? What, what do you mean? I mean this. Does the way you love cause people to go, that's God's love? But does it cause people to go, I think that guy's crazy? 
Because I don't think that's, do you sense it? Does your love show God's love? You're gonna see that the whole passage wraps up with this very thought. We don't wanna miss the timestamp, do we? Because so, it says, so, and so be pure. Notice he says, for the day of Christ. Y'all, this is the second time he said this in verse six. He says, day of Christ. In verse, here in verse 10, he says, day of Christ. Three more times, the, the book's only four chapters. Three more times he's gonna mention that Christ is coming back, Christ is coming back in the day of Christ. It, it, it's on the forefront of his mind. It's like Paul in his life, in his interactions and relationships, the choices he made, um, the day of Christ was never far, it, it was never far from um, his heart and his thoughts and it always shaped how he lived. My, my thought went to this, how I live, and I, th I think maybe um, perhaps you've done this, I mean, maybe all of us have done, done this at different times when we make, um, I'm gonna just do it like this. You know, you've got a, uh, let's say you got a decision in life. You got a decision to make. Anybody ever done this? Hmm, I'm gonna do the pros and the cons. You do this, right? And it's not a bad, it's not a bad tool. And you go, hmm, yeah, that's a, that's a plus. That's a plus. Oh my gosh, that's a big plus, right? And then you go through and you go, no, maybe. Oh, that, they need to pay attention to that. It's a big one. And then you go down here and you go, you know, really, we got... I got 12 of these and I only got four of these. Let's, let's, let's do the pro. It, it's good, okay? So I'm, 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 it's, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But I, I wanna offer this thought. Perhaps Paul did this, I don't know. But Paul had another category. Paul said, mm, decision, how am I gonna respond to this decision? What am I gonna do? And he said, day of Christ. Hmm, what do you mean, Lloyd? I mean this. It seems as we watch Paul write this letter, he lived his life in such a way that when what he chose in life, he waited against the day of Christ. Okay, what, I'm getting ready to do something. I'm making a choice. I'm, my, I'm living my life. Hmm, what am, I, what am I getting ready to do that will make me glad in the day of Christ. What do you mean the day of Christ? The day of Christ's return. Yes, it's the day, it's the day when Christ will set all things right, but understand, the Bible teaches as well, those who follow Christ, it's the day which we see, it's the day we give an account of our life, not our sins, okay, but our life. So, so what if our pro, we had a pro-con day of Jesus on the list? What would you choose? What, what, what would you say when something happens if you, in your mind you said, I wanna be glad on the day of Christ? It certainly seemed to direct Paul's life in praying. Well, then verse 11, <coughs> he finishes with um, a result clause. So, so we've, we've, got the, we've got the, what do we have here? We got the purpose clause we got the main clause and then there's a result. What's the result of this? Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled, by the way, filled is in the present tense, so it's continuous. 
continually filled with the fruit, obviously he's going to this uh, you know, agricultural metaphor of, <coughs> of righteousness. When he goes to the, those, those uh, horticulture metaphors, you know, Paul most, most often is, is, is really you all gonna be thinking about um, a vine on this one, but you know what I'm gonna use? <coughs> I'm gonna use a tree um, because that's what we think, we can, get this, we can get there quicker, I think. So filled with the fruit of righteousness. So this is all he's, this is what they would see in their minds. They would see a vine, but I think what he wants us to see is, is this tree, I know trees aren't purple, it just turned purple on me. Um, and then you've got the roots that go down. What a great, I, you know, Luke and I didn't even talk about this and he already talked about this roots going down. And what I would suggest is, is, is what Paul is saying here is that the, 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 the filled with the fruit of righteousness is that this is, um, these roots are, I'm gonna call it abounding love. So, so our, these roots are reaching down into, and what does he say? It comes through Christ. So the, the, the soil of these, the soil that this tree, or, you know, vine is reaching into actually is Jesus. <laughs> it's the love of Jesus. And when that is true, then what the life itself produces is the fruit of righteousness. Where does it come from? It's Christ in, do y'all get in the picture? Christ, Christ in us, my life draws upon Christ. And when my life is dependent upon Christ, the spirit of Christ in me, then my life produces the fruit of righteousness. No, no, I really believe Paul, you know, will, will say even clearer in Galatians, it's speaking truly in, of, of the fruit of the spirit. So this, if, if, if our life is, you know, we say spirit dependent here, we're dependent upon the spirit, that's the spirit of Christ in us. If that's where my roots go, can I tell you what's gonna come out of, of, of the life whose roots are in Christ? The fruit of the spirit. And many of you know this, but what's the first fruit of the spirit? Just say it out loud. So you got a life that's producing this fruit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I probably missed one, self-control, but I'm just telling you, can you, how... How winsome is the person whose life just pops off love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? How about that in this day and age that we live in? And then I just wanna note the ultimate, you know, you get to the ultimate reason is the glory and praise of God. I'm not gonna spend much time on this because I think we understand what Paul is saying is when <clears throat> our love is abounding more and more, God is glorified. There's, you're not gonna say just those two sentences. <clears throat> God's love is made manifest. That's the ultimate purpose of life for a Christ follower. I'm going to offer just two observations that can inform our application of the text. May I say this? The first would be this. 
Abounding love is the need of the hour. I said it earlier, I'm just gonna say it again. Abounding love is the need of the hour. Some of you may say, Lloyd, you're overreaching. That's one thing, yeah, it matters, but I'm telling you, Lloyd, there are some battles that we as Christians need to be fighting for if we're gonna preserve the things that we believe in. Excuse me. I would say your argument's not with me. Your argument's with Paul. Your argument's with Jesus. Uh, Jesus, in answer to the question, what's the greatest commandment? Greatest commandment. The most important commandment. <laughs> love the Lord your God <clears throat> with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, which was a mess. It's, it's wonderful we have that book because we are a mess too. And he addresses all their issues. And you know chapter 13 is that wonderful passage on what? Love, right? How does he end that that passage on love ends it in this way. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Rob mentioned last week, and we're talking about this a lot, praying about it. I I am personally, excuse me, we're deeply concerned about the state of the church, evangelicalism, if you keep up with these things. Those who study and write about such things as the church and our culture, you know, are recognizing we're, at a, we're in a very precarious place uh, with fissures showing up everywhere. Not, and it's not, you know, you know, the moral majority against the immoral majority, <laughs> minority, no, no. We're talking about Christians, you know, tangling with Christians around politics, culture wars, COVID. You know, these things are gonna be profound um, and lasting My guess is that someone in the room, I have no one in mind, but I'm just saying this. I, I would think someone in the room is perhaps wanting to come up to me after this service because my prayer for Pastor Herman and others really focused on the devastation and death and someone wants to come up and tell me about the, the real statistic of people who survive. <laughs> okay, I'm saving you. You don't have to come up and tell me. Um, I get it. What's an acceptable survival rate for your family? Mine's zero, and I'm, I'm gonna do what I can to keep it zero. Some, some like a mass mandate, others think masks are an infringement on your freedom. <clears throat> some, some, some think they don't even work. Some got the vaccine as soon as it was available. I did, my family did. Others have real reservations. Even if we can't agree on things as followers of Jesus, we must agree on this. Abounding love is the need of the hour. <clears throat> and I, I mean this when I say it. So when I look at our cultural setting and where we are and things are falling apart, I go, hallelujah. What an opportunity for the gospel to shine forth. And let me tell you how it's gonna go forth. It'll go forth with love. <laughs> that, that, that's how it moves forward. And if we can't love, it doesn't move forward. Secondly, genuine love is not something you possess, it's something you give. Genuine love is not something you possess, it's something you give. I'm not talking about that poem, if you love something, let it go, and if it comes back, it's yours. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about love. Think about love. That, that it, you, don't, you don't possess love. According to the Bible, it, it, it's something that is gifted to you that moves through you. Does this make sense? That's what love is. Um, a few months ago, I was laying on the couch taking a nap and 
flew through the channels and, and Lawrence of Arabia came up, you know, the old 1962. I'd always kind of heard of Lawrence of Arabia, you know, whatever, and so, I'm, I'm, so I, got, I watch it in and out. I kind of got bits and pieces, but it made me interested. I go, well, that's so interesting. Peter O'Toole, you know, plays a bunch of Academy Awards. So, so I, I looked up Lawrence of Arabia. And I, I, I know this, I didn't know there was a real Lawrence British soldier who went to Arabia to assess the situation, became very close to you know, his, his Arabian compatriots and it's kind of a hero for them. That, that's Lawrence of Arabia. And this is a story, I read this and it's been told so many times, some of you've probably heard it. I, I didn't know this, but it, it tells a story of when after World War I, he had some of his Arab friends stay with him. They're staying in a hotel in Paris. They were in Paris. And he showed them all around Paris. Can you imagine all the sights to see in Paris? I mean, there's just amazing things, iconic venues, things to see, even back then. But what he noticed was his Arab friends were fascinated by the faucet in the bathroom. Turn it on, water. Turn it that, no water. Turn it on, water. And when they left, they, they, he found them trying to take the faucet off the, the deal. Now, you know, it's kind of, kind of silly, but you, it, it really makes a point in this way. They said to him, Lord, you gotta understand, and he knows this, you know, we live in Arabia, there's no water. We need one of these things. <laughs> My gosh, who wouldn't want this thing? Turn it on, water, turn it on. What didn't they know? Right, right, I mean, we think silly, but no, but what didn't they know? That, that it's what it's connected to. It's what it's connected to, okay, that produces the water. And obviously, we note here all is through Christ Jesus. Here's the, it's all about Christ. It's all about the roots. Now, what are you and I? May I say this? Are we, I, I, we're much more than this, you know. But we're the faucet. It, the, it's just, I don't, have it, I don't have it in me to love you. <laughs> but Christ's love in me loves you. So, so, so the prayers like, Make the drip a stream. Make the stream a gusher. This is what this prayer is about. Now, here's the invitation to prayer. I'm gonna put this up on the screen and invite the worship team to come back out. Here's the, here's the invitation to prayer. You don't have to do this, but I'm gonna ask if, if you'd be interested. Pray Philippians 1, 9 through 11 for myself for 30 days. That's, I'm gonna do it I'm gonna ask, would you? I mean, we, we, we did a generous God series talking about the generous generosity of God. We gave sacrificially. Some didn't even give sacrificially, quite frankly, but we gave, it's fine. But could you, was that amazing what came through us? That would pale, pale in significance to if in response to this prayer, God gave us in greater measure, his love. So, now again, I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot in this, and you don't have to do this, but if, if you're willing to pray this for 30 days, I want you to stand. Now, some of you are gonna pray it for 30 days, and you're not gonna stand. I get it. I would be one of you. I would be sitting there going, look, I'm not standing. I'll, I'll do it, but I'm not standing for you. But if you just go, I'll, I'll pray that for 30 days. You don't have to hit it perfect, but if, you're, if, if you would, thank you. Pray with me. Anyone else that wants to stand? So, you know, for 30 days... I'm just gonna, I'm gonna it, it's so easy to pray and, and I'm just gonna pray it. Lord, would you help my love to abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that I would approve what's excellent, pure and blameless in Christ, the day of Christ. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness, his, to the praise of the Father. Thank you. It's it's for you. Pray it. I, I, I really mean this. If love gushes out, oh my, not just what it does in our community, but what it does in us. Um, I'll be talking about this, so you know I'm not going to make this any formal thing. But I'll be checking in because I'm committing myself. I'm going to put it. You know, I was thinking, what do I ask you to do? You know, you can do whatever you want. Remember, we did a three o'clock thing for the Lord's prayer. You can do that. I'm going to write it in my calendar. I'm just going to write Philippians prayer, Philippians prayer. I'm just going to do it for 30 days. So sometime during that day, if I see my calendar, oh my gosh, I'm going to pray the Philippians prayer. If everyone else, if, if everyone would stand, please, we're going to respond to these words with our own song. Now listen, Paul's gonna tell us, you all, he's gonna tell us later in um, chapter four, he's gonna tell you, here's what you put your mind on. So when we think about this passage and it says, you know, with knowledge and all discernment, here's what to think about. We're gonna get there, can't wait. Um, He tells us what to set our minds upon in love. It's a needed exhortation as we prepare to walk out these doors. So we'll, we'll, we'll lift our voice in this way. Now, this song we're singing, um, April Jesbray, Nate Souza, Emily Weeks, you know, are part of our body. They wrote this and um, such a fitting song for this study. But let's lift our voices and then I will come back up and benedict us. But may this be, make the song a prayer what I set my mind upon that as Carl always reminds us our heart's affection would express the love of Christ.